Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Truly amazing and thankful for everybody who led us in worship this morning. Another round of applause for Joe. I'm definitely spoiled. I get to listen to Joe throughout the week, so I always have a nice treat most, most mornings. We are in our sermon series, Galatians, with the tagline, Freedom from Sin is Found in Jesus. When we think of the book of Galatians, we must understand one thing and one thing only. It's almost as Paul is writing a defense of God's grace. He is defending the gospel of Jesus Christ, that faith alone, grace alone, and Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the opportunity to come together this morning. Lord, we are in the midst of a transition potentially in this country with the election coming up this Tuesday. Lord, no matter the outcome, we understand that you are sovereign. Allow us to submit to the authorities that you have placed above us in such a way that we can continue to share your good news because that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Us sharing Christ, seeing others come to a saving faith, disciples being made who make other disciples. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus himself. Amen. Christopher Voss is a former FBI hostage negotiator. Man, I could use him at home. He explains why compromise is actually a bad negotiation tactic. He says a win-win mindset is ineffective, and in fact, he says it's disastrous. At best, he says it satisfies either side, because compromise or splitting the difference, we could call it that, can lead to terrible outcomes. He goes on to give an example, and he, he starts off by saying this. He says, a woman wants her husband to wear black shoes with his suit. But her husband doesn't want to. He wants to wear brown shoes. So what do they do? They compromise. They meet halfway. And you guessed it. He wears one black and one brown shoe. There's a reason why both my shoes are burgundy this morning. Because obviously, obviously the hostage negotiator is not me in my household. Voss goes on to ask, is this the best outcome, though? Is this really the best outcome, to wear one brown and one black shoe? He says, no, in fact, that's the worst possible outcome. Either of the two other outcomes, black or brown, would be better than the compromise met with the husband and wife church. The book of Galatians. The apostle Peter was attempting to compromise, and we see that here in chapter 2. He was attempting to split the difference. He was attempting to do so with a group called the Judaizers. See, Peter was attempting to meet them halfway. Peter had one black shoe on one foot and one brown shoe on the other. And Paul was right there to rebuke him to his face. And he rebuked them for compromising the gospel of Jesus Christ, specifically, specifically the good news of salvation 
by grace alone. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. And that title is this, Proof Positive Gospel Part 2. Proof Positive Gospel Part 2. We're going to be in chapter 2 of Galatians. Specifically this morning, we're looking at verses 11 through 14. Last week, let's not forget, it was made abundantly clear to us by Paul that salvation is by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ. We were encouraged in the fact that God's grace has given us the endorsement to share Jesus. Every believer has the endorsement because of God's grace to share their faith in Jesus, which is especially important as everyone's audience will differ and our audiences differ. The gospel message stays the same, but the audience in which we get to share Jesus to will differ. And the message of the gospel is paramount to that transformation, that conversion happening. And today what we're going to see is we're going to observe Peter compromise with the Judaizers. We're going to be encouraged as Paul defends salvation. He defends the grace alone, faith alone in Jesus because ultimately we're going to yet see another example of Paul's proof positive gospel. So please join me in Galatians chapter 2. The verses will be on the screen for you, but I'm going to start reading in verse 11. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles, but when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by the hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, Live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Amen. These four verses put into one sentence will become our main idea this morning. And that one sentence is this. Paul was a true apostle because he rebuked Peter for compromising God's grace. Paul, an apostle who actually spent time with Jesus, he's a capital A apostle. And he was a true apostle because he rebuked Peter for compromising God's grace. See, fear is what alerts us to the presence of danger. Fear alerts us to potential threat or potential harm. Fear alerts us to either a physical or psychological danger. And speaking of a psychological danger, church, fear is what leads specifically to compromise. Fear will motivate you to split the difference. Fear will have you wearing one brown shoe on one foot and one black shoe on another. Church, when we fear man above fearing God, we usher in what Christopher Voss, the FBI negotiator, said about compromise. And let's, let's remember what he said. He said, because compromise or splitting the difference can lead to terrible outcomes. Fear is exactly what motivated Peter. And we see exactly this in our first set of verses this morning. Verses 11 through 13. And as we look at these verses, let's keep in mind that Cephas there 
is really Peter. Cephas is the Aramaic way of pronouncing Peter, or the Aramaic name for Peter. So when Peter came to Antioch, as the stage has been set right here, we must keep something in mind. See, Antioch was the location of the first Gentile church. So before we continue, we must understand what we're actually dealing with here in the text today. We're really dealing with two separate camps. See, first, and since we're in Antioch, our first camp consists of Gentiles. So a Gentile is simply someone who is not Jewish who in this case is a Christian that believes that their eternal salvation is by grace alone and faith alone in Jesus. Secondly, our second camp consists of the Judaizers. The Judaizers claim to be Christian. However, they still believe that their eternal salvation is achieved by having faith in Jesus along with doing this or doing that. Simply put, we would call this Jesus plus. Jesus plus what I can do. As believers of the gospel, we know it's Jesus plus nothing else. Grace alone, faith alone, in the work of Jesus upon the cross. Therefore, what the Judaizers do not believe is exactly that. They do not believe that their eternal salvation is through grace alone, faith alone, and Jesus. And in this particular case, we're dealing with their food laws, because that's really the problem. Peter's eating with Gentiles, the Judaizers, come in and they see him eating with the Gentiles, and they're saying to themselves, wait, hold on, the, the ones that prepared that food, their hands weren't clean, therefore Peter's not obeying our food customs, our traditions, our laws, those things that we keep in order to earn our salvation. And Peter noticed that. They had a contrary way to salvation besides the grace alone, faith alone, and Jesus. And that's when Peter started to draw back. So as Christians, we are considered to be Gentiles as well, which is why Paul, in the second half of verse 11, says this. He says, opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. See, Peter was showing support. Peter was aligning himself with the Judaizers now. Even though he believed that eternal salvation was contingent upon grace alone, faith alone in Jesus Christ. Now, verse 12 reveals to us how Peter was supporting and aligning himself with the Judaizers. Verse 12 exposes Peter's compromise. It exposes Peter as he attempts to split the difference. It exposes Peter's mixed, mismatched brown and black shoes. Because it says, For before certain men came from James, these are the Judaizers, the ones who believe in Jesus plus. So when they came and observed Peter eating with the Gentiles, Peter got his tunic in a tussle. See, Peter's fearing the circumcision party, a.k.a. the Judaizers, alerted him to the presence of danger. It kicked in his sense of fear or harm. See, his fear of the Judaizers alerted him to either physical or psychological danger. However, none of this was true. 
None of this was actually true. In fact, Peter's fear really just led to compromise. Because when the Judaizers came in, Peter, what did he do? What does it say? He drew back and separated himself from the Gentiles, as if Peter was actually really trying to say, oh, there, there's nothing to see here, boys. Noth nothing over here. I'm just, you know, eating my meal, minding my own business. I'm just actively social distancing myself from these Gentiles. Actually, I don't think that excuse would work in a pre-2020 world, would it? Now we know terms like social distancing and what that actually means. See, basically Peter was trying not to offend the Judaizers. But in the process, he probably offended the Gentiles, let's face it. But most definitely what happened, he caused a lot of confusion. Which is why verse 13 states this. Verse 13 says, And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by, look what it says there, their hypocrisy. Let's go back to verse 11 where it states, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Basically, Paul was asking Peter, what color are your shoes? Are they brown or are they black? Would you say they're blackish brown or brownish black? Church, what color are your shoes? What color are your shoes? Do you stand firmly convicted in the grace alone, faith alone camp? Is that where you stand firm convicted? If so, are your shoes the same color? Do you represent Jesus no matter who you're with? No matter what it is you're doing and who it is you're doing it with, are you still representing Jesus? Or do you split the difference by having a win-win mindset? Church, when you recognize that you're experiencing thoughts of fear, when you recognize doubt, when you recognize discouragement, anxiety, or even temptation, choose to guard your thoughts and mind in Christ Jesus. And we do this against the attack of the enemy. So, that's easy to say, but the real question is, how do we do this? How do we do this? What does this look like in our lives individually? Especially when we recognize thoughts of fear, doubt, discouragement, anxiety, and temptation. What does this look like when we begin to understand that those thoughts are creeping in? Well, we can start by doing three simple things, very simple things. First, we can pray. First, we can pray. In fact, I just want to read this from Philippians really quick. You do not have to turn there. But Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 are an incredible, incredible piece of Scripture. Two verses to memorize. Paul writes in the Philippians, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition. Make your requests known to God. He will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So first we can pray. 
Secondly, we can remember that we're not alone. We are not alone. 1 Peter 5, 9 tells us that resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. We are not alone. Remember that. Remind yourself of that. And since we know that we are not alone, thirdly, what we can do and what I think is really important for us to do if we haven't done so already is go find ourselves a Paul. Go find yourself a Paul in your life. Go find yourself a friend who isn't scared to tell you when you have mustard upon your face. Someone who will ask you why you are wearing two different pairs of colored shoes or a pair of different colored shoes, shall I say. And this brings us to our first point this morning. Our confidence in eternal salvation comes from God's grace. Simply put, our confidence in eternal salvation comes from God's grace. It doesn't come from Jesus plus anything else. It comes from God's grace. Again, our main idea this morning is this. Paul was a true apostle. Because he rebuked Peter for compromising God's grace. If there's anything we should never play games with, it is the Lord and the grace, the gift that he's given us of salvation through our faith in Jesus. Last night, trick-or-treat was on in our neighborhood. Anybody take their kids trick-or-treating? Anybody take their kids trick-or-treating? Okay. Anybody pass out candy at home? Anybody like me, you turn the lights off and pretend that you're not home? Did I mention that my shoes are the same color? Did I mention that already? Do you think I got away with that one? No. I was roaming the neighborhood. But last night we definitely did some trick or treating, and and it was a treat, pun intended, for the the kids, obviously, with a lot of COVID stuff going on, a lot of normal activities haven't been going on like they did in the past, but we're starting to get back up to speed here. But did any of you notice how, you know, each year when Halloween comes about, we dress up as somebody that we're not? See, Peter went trick-or-treating himself. It's just that it was all trick with no treat. Peter was all trick and no treat because really what he was doing with these Judaizers was play-acting. He was playing games. He was play-acting. And we observe as much from our final verse this morning, verse 14. As Paul is speaking about Peter here in verse 14 and about Barnabas from verse 13, because back in verse 13 it said, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy, See, this is the same Barnabas that we need to remember that was an early convert to Christianity. Paul recognized that he had problems on his hands. See, God's grace was being misrepresented, even to the point that even Barnabas was being led astray. Somebody who knew the gospel, the good news, that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. The integrity of that was compromised. And and look what Paul says here. He says, the truth of the gospel. That's what was compromised. The truth of the gospel. So, 
what does the truth of the gospel say about this particular situation? Because that's the question I'm asking of the text myself when I see this. What does the truth of the gospel say about this particular situation? And I think when we look at what's going on in these four verses this morning, it's quite clear. The truth of the gospel is telling us that both Jews and Gentiles should be unified, united as one under Jesus. Which is what Peter promoted prior to these Judaizers coming in, before they paid him a visit. Peter was living his life as a Jew among the Gentiles, unified. See, the truth of the gospel is just that. It is unity. But now Peter was playing tricks just like trick-or-treating. He was acting like someone he was not. Peter, quite simply, was play-acting because of his fear of man. He compromised God's grace, the same grace that proves and also paves the way to eternal salvation. Remember, the Judaizers promoted Jesus plus. They promoted Jesus plus what I can do or what they could do. And since they were attempting to save themselves, and now Peter was giving their heresy credence by backing off from the Gentiles. He was saying, yeah, you guys that just came in, you're right, these guys aren't clean. They're not keeping up with our laws and traditions in order to receive eternal salvation. And this was all because of his fear. All because he was afraid of man, which in turn caused him to play act. And because he was play acting, we need to read exactly what Paul said to him. So as Mike joins me up here, I wanted to just read exactly out loud what Paul said to Peter. Paul said, I said, this is Paul speaking, to Cephas before them all. If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Notice something. He says, I said to Cephas before them all, church, this sin was a public sin. Peter was publicly, he wasn't privately play acting, playing games with God's grace. No, he was publicly playing games with God's grace. Therefore, Paul had to call him out publicly. Public sin should be addressed publicly. Now, what do you think Paul would say to some of us? If he's telling Peter this in verse 14, what do you think he would say to some of us? I think he would say, if you're a Christian but live like a non-Christian, how can you expect a non-Christian to become a Christian? How can you say that you have a black pair of shoes on when one is clearly brown while the other is clearly black. Let's get honest with ourselves for just a moment here. The conviction that comes from this text, let's face it, sometimes, sometimes it's not very convenient to be a Christian, is it? Sometimes being a Christian around certain people in certain circumstances 
is rather uncomfortable. Sometimes it's just easier to compromise. It's easier for us to just play act than to remain confident in God's grace. So what is it? What is it that happens in your life? What are the circumstances at times? What is it that triggers you to be tempted to compromise the truth of the gospel as it says in the text today? What is it? Now, I'm not saying that you do compromise. Don't, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that you do compromise. Let's not even go there. But what is it? What is it that tempts you to compromise the truth of the gospel? And, and remember, if you do give in to that temptation, you'll be all trick and no treat. Tricked into falsely aligning yourself with disunity as we see Peter doing this morning, aligning yourself and creating confusion when you have an opportunity to stand firm confidently in the grace given to you, knowing that it's not your work, it's the work of Jesus. But when we're afraid of man, our pride kicks in and we make it all about us and what we can do. And when we do that, we have no need for Ultimately, we, we miss the ultimate treat of unity that's only found in God's grace. And this brings us to our second and final point this morning. And that point is this. One truth, just one of the many truths of the gospel is that unity comes from God's grace. Unity comes from God's grace. We do not create unity on our own. The unity necessary to be in fellowship with other believers, those who have faith in the work of Jesus, only comes from God's grace. And again, our first point this morning was that our confidence in eternal salvation comes from God's grace. It's the gift given freely. That is our confidence. We stand firm upon the work of Jesus for our eternal salvation. And when we do so, we have opportunities to share that faith with others. And again, our main idea, let's not forget what actually made Paul a true apostle. Paul was a true apostle because he rebuked Peter for compromising God's grace. Let's pray. Lord, as we close this morning, I just pray that we can continue to align ourselves according to the gift given freely of your grace to allow your spirit to guide us, direct us, and mature us even further into Christ Jesus. We are so thankful for his work upon the cross, and it is because of him that we can even pray to you directly. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.